This is HPR episode 1868 entitled Glasgow Podcrawl Review. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 48 minutes long. The summary is The intrepid Glasgow Podcrawlers meet to discuss their experiences back in July. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, everybody. This is Dave Morris uh, recording for HPR, and I have uh, three accomplices with me. Um, starting from the top, we have... That's you, Andrew. <laughs> I'll just close the window. Andrew Gregory, also of Linux Voice. Kevy from TuxJam and Crivens and CCJam. And McNallu from TuxJam and also a little bit from Linux Voice now. Very cool. So why are we all gathered here today then, guys? Because <laughs> we're trying to fill in the blanks about what happened back in July. We're still trying to remember. <laughs> Something about a pod crawl, I think, was it? <laughs> I think it might have happened in McNallu's uh, home city there of Glasgow. Yes. Uh, the one thing that I have forgotten already is what date was it? I do remember it was a Friday, 10th of July. Does that sound a bit right? 10th rings a bell with me, yeah. That's exactly right. No, all I remember is it, it was it was there was pork pies. That's it. That's all I can remember. Ah, I'd forgotten the pork pies. How could I forget the pork pies? Silly. I'd remember the pork pies more or less because it killed us off. We couldn't do anything after eating those pork pies. <laughs> but maybe instead of starting at the end of the night, we should probably start it right back at the start. And as a tumbleweed blows by, okay, then I guess I'll start. <laughs> the yeah, so we started, it was a actually very successful, I thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable night, not exactly an awful lot showed up, I mean, the the ones who are present in this podcast were actually the ones that showed up, so numbers were few, but I'd say it's definitely quality, not quantity, because uh, all open source geeks, all podcasters, and uh, generally the, the coolness levels were just through the roof. I'd have been cooler if I'd had a proper T-shirt. I remember, need to organise that for next year. <laughs> I remember another detail other than pork pies, although that is the main detail. Um, uh, Andy Murray was playing some tennis match beforehand, wasn't he? That's right, and he lost, so he's officially Scottish. <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I don't remember that. Well, we, we did start... That must have been when we were standing waiting for everybody in the state bar. Uh, myself and McNally got there early waiting for everyone else. And I don't particularly remember there being tennis. Was that when it was played? That's that's right. Yeah, that's um, that's what I was doing just just before because I, I got to Glasgow a couple of hours earlier. And um, it's surreal the surreal sight of of men standing around in a pub, not watching football or boxing, but watching tennis and you know getting really into it and being partisan. It was odd. It was unparalleled. 
Now that's it. See, you've got all the Scottish guys embarrassed there to speak now because they're admitting they were watching tennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it was in the West End, so there may have been some foreigners there. There's probably a good chance there was, yes. And myself included. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like I like how you clash yourself as a foreigner in your own country. Well, everybody else classes me as a foreigner in my own country, so why should I be any different? No, it's it's not us that are different up here. It's all you lot who aren't on this small island. It's all you mainlanders that are odd, not us. <laughs> yeah. So after the after the state bar, we we headed west, didn't we? So we went back into the West End. It was the Bon Accord, I think. Next, wasn't it? That's right, the Bon Accord, and it has an entire wall behind the bar of whiskies. And if you listen carefully, uh, you might hear the clanking of whiskey glass, because one of us is drinking whiskey. And for the benefit of the pod, uh, the, the podcast, uh, that's uh, Andrew Gregory's uh, microphone that's making that noise, and it's making me very jealous. I might have to join you. <laughs> Hang on a sec, let's, let's see if the cork coming out of the bottle comes over on the recording. <laughs> Did that work? It did. It did work. Um, although the, the the final pop was nice, but there's a strange, almost blackboard screechy quality to the first bit. <laughs> it's, it's the pop. It's always the pop that that gets me. Yeah, and then there's the glug. Uh, here's me sitting here with a cup of tea. So, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not doing. I'm not doing the right thing at all. Sorry. <laughs> well, the the Bon Accord was absolutely fantastic. I thought. I mean, it wasn't just that it was. Uh, Full of whiskey. It was full of dark stained wood, which are, is always great. Yeah, well, to be fair, I think the, the the first three out of the four bars we had were kind of dark stained wood variety, yeah. kind of more traditional style. The, the 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 one we went on to in between the Bon Accord and we finished in the Three Judges was the was the Deep Inn or In Deep McNally. Yes, it was deep, the, the deep end. It used to be called the Big Blue, I think, and it's it's got a great location uh, right at, at what's called Kelvin Bridge, where one of the main roads, Great Western Road in Glasgow, goes over the River Kelvin. And at this point, since this is a sort of geeky environment, we should mention that uh, the River Kelvin gives its name to the temperature unit Kelvin, which is named after Lord Kelvin, uh, who's a famous physicist from Glasgow. I'm pretty sure you mentioned that at the time, but I've already forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's a fantastic museum, isn't there, in, in one of the university buildings in Glasgow. Um, so I thought that, honestly, I thought that Lord Kelvin was just some chancer who'd, who was piggybacking on, on the, the work of Mr Celsius and just took his work and, and added a minus 273 to it. But actually, he he discovered and invented all sorts of stuff. Typically, I can't remember what, but um, I'm sure, Andrew, you you know quite a lot of it. Well, yeah, he established the first uh, one of the, he established some of the basics of thermodynamics. You know how temp- temperature works, which is why he got a temperature scale named after him. But actually, his greatest achievements were very practical. He, he was, I think, he was the first scientist, certainly the first physicist, to become rich uh, as a result of his knowledge. And he actually supervised the first laying of a cable across the Atlantic, which is, you know, in the late nineteenth century, it is no mean feat. Is that the one that comes ashore in Cornwall? 
Well, I don't know if the same cable is now used. I do think it broke quite a few times, and it wasn't terribly successful in the first attempt. But I, I don't—I'm pretty sure they've laid that that, that must—that cable must be out of use by now. And I don't know what route it took. Um, at the time, I would have. Yeah, you wouldn't—you wouldn't lay it from Glasgow, would you? Because you'd have to go all the way down the Firth of Clyde. That would be daft. So, yeah, it would make more sense to start from somewhere like Cornwall. Was that the same cable that was laid by uh, Brunel, Isambard Kingdom Brunel's ship, the one he died on? Was it the Great Eastern or Great Western? I think it was called the Great Eastern. It was meant to have been a luxury cruise liner and it never actually uh, got used as that. It got used more as a practical ship. Well, it could be. It could be. I don't, I don't actually know anything about the ship uh, itself. But this is my claim to fame, uh, that uh, Lord Kelvin and I have both used the same toilet. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord Kelvin. Okay, so which hole did you pee in then? <laughs> well, we weren't actually on the toilet at the same time. In fact, he, he had died about 70 years before I, I got to his toilet. But it was a great toilet, you know, big porcelain thing with a high-up cistern and a lovely old chain with a, you know, a wooden... Indie bits. I don't know what you was to call. What do you call? Is it got a name? The bit that hangs at the bottom of a chain like that that you pull on. Anyway, it was it was a beautiful. It was a work of art. This toilet. Ah, oh, fair enough. Very good. The, uh, here's me thinking that you had, you know, kind of just you had he had used the hole he dug a hundred odd year ago. No, no, and well, the story was that they built a new physics building right at the end of his life, and all the professors were on the top floor. Well, that's where they were supposed to be, but not him because he was so old and they hadn't got a lift or they hadn't invented lifts or got them working in that building so they gave him a, a big office in the downstairs with his own ensuite facilities because uh, he was getting on a bit i don't think he ever used the room very much although i hope he used the toilet at least once <laughs> otherwise that story's not true <laughs> <laughs> yes so your claim to fame is literally down the toilet <laughs> yep yeah the we should maybe point out that the there was there it was actually the deep in had so much potential, but when we actually got there, it was kind of disappointing, especially for uh, people that like a, a, quite a quieter night. It was uh, rather loud, the place, it was mobbed, busy, and this was the kind of key criminal sin they did for me. This was just terrible. They had all their bottles, didn't matter if it was light or dark, they had them in the chiller. So I had a bottle of 80 shilling chilled, and that's just criminal. You do not super chill 80 shilling. But apart from that, actually, I think it could have been a bit... I, th I don't think it would have been so bad had it not just been quite so busy. So they're obviously doing something right. <laughs> the, they, they were committing another one of my pet hates in, in advertising them or touting their wares as being craft beer, which which I just I find that a, a sign of, of a place to avoid because it, it means that they're jumping on a bandwagon it's it's just a marketing word. It's it's craft beer. It means nothing. Um, and true to form, yeah, lots of young people in there. Ugh. Yeah, young people and craft beer. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't quite my cup of tea. In fact, I recall I got extremely hungry for some reason at that precise moment because I hadn't eaten much, and I went upstairs to the. There's a chip shop. You go up the stairs because it's kind of like by, down by the river and you can go up to street level up these stairs. And then so I got some chips. It was quite nice. It started raining, just very light rain. And I was just stood there watching the world go by. And I saw one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And that was a man with no hands operating a smartphone. 
he had no hands. Both his hands were lost. I, I didn't stop and ask him it, so I don't know why. But he had no hands, just stumps. And he was using a smartphone while walking uh, uh, along the street, which I, I just don't. I mean, I can't even do that, and I've got all 10 of my fingers. I can't do that either. And likewise, all 10 fingers present and correct. Yep, I'd agree. Actually, I can't. I can't do anything when I actually start using the phone. I, I really just have to stop. Otherwise, I'm walking into people or bumping into something or dropping the phone. So it's just too costly. <laughs> yeah. So from from the deep end, that was the third one. We went to the three judges, which is in Partick, and I do believe we caught the underground to that. Yes, we did, didn't we? Yes. Although it's called the subway now, they rebranded it. Uh, it used to be called the subway, then it got called underground, and then they called it the subway again. This is over a space of 100 years. And they generally called the clockwork orange as well. That's right, yes. So you can um, do a, this, yeah, this, this, this pub crawl, um, which we didn't we didn't do. We did a tiny little bit of it, of course, um, where you get off every underground station. It's a, it's a circle, and it's not very big. So uh, you can do that in the night and, and then stop at a pub next to each underground station. And in fact, I think the three judges is one of the popular ones at the underground station that we got off at. But it's very close to the station, isn't it? And it is, um, again, dark wood, polished brass, mirrors behind the bar, you know, ticks all the boxes, except the local box. I remember I asked for a pint of something Scottish and all they had was tenants. Oh, no, that's that's actually the barmaid not knowing because I got Kush IPA. I do remember that. And that's Scottish. But, of course, see, the problem was she, when you said pint, she immediately probably thought of a pint of lager. So that's probably either a pint of lager or a pint of heavy, you know, being Glasgow. So, you know, m- maybe that was the problem. You, you didn't actually say pint of real ale. <laughs> or maybe it was the, the imperial measurements. Maybe I should have uh, used something metric. 500 millilitres, please. <laughs> no, you're not shortchanging my pint. 568.2 or whatever it is. <laughs> Oh, the Three Judges is one of my favourite pubs. They do seem to have a lot of good ales, but mainly not Scottish. I don't know why that is, but I'm not complaining because whatever ales they have are always delicious. Um, and I don't know if this this might be apocryphal, but I remember being told not too long ago in the past that the Three Judges only had a male toilet and didn't have a female toilet. Now, given that I've been going to the Three Judges for best part of 20, no, no, more than 20 years, uh, this story could go back <laughs> into the 1980s or 70s, I'm not entirely sure, when it only had a male toilet from. Well, I do know that there's still quite a few places in Scotland that are still like that. They, Although they do technically have a female toilet, it is literally a broom cupboard with a bowl in it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, so it, it could well be. Is, is this Lewis or, or the mainland? No, no, they don't get enough punters on Lewis. See, we're generally too tight to go into the bars here, so <laughs> they'll take whatever they get. No, but this was the the place I used to go to in down in Dumfries was called the New Bazaar. Talk about misleading. This place was not new, but it was a great bar. It had four or five uh, brass taps and a humongous gantry of whiskey. I mean, this would rival the three judges. Huge, huge gantry. And there was never any bother in it, but it was a man's bar. I remember one time having been in with my mate and his daughter was in. And she says, where's your, where's your women's toilets? And we all looked and went, I, I don't really know if they had any. So the barman had to go uh, and pull out the pull out the mop, the bucket, the, the brush and things like that. And says, yeah, we have to have one of these in by law. And switched on the light. And this cupboard actually had a toilet bowl and the world's smallest sink. <laughs> oh, dear. 
<laughs> now we're talking this is three years ago, not a, lot, a long time ago. No, the three judges definitely had a female toilet three years ago. Definitely did. And I'm sure it's been law for some time. Well, they've probably had it there. It just hasn't been used in a long time. <laughs> well, I feel I missed out on quite a lot of this because I, uh, I chickened out and uh, and left you guys after the Bon Accord, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, you survived 50% of the pod crawl, which isn't bad, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I... I didn't fancy the long trek back to Edinburgh, to be honest with you. So I and uh, I was getting tired. So, but yeah, 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 fifty percent. Next time, the other fifty percent, perhaps. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Long trek back to Edinburgh. Well, you know. <clears throat> well, he was walking. That is quite. A <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's the bus, and then it's the other bus, and uh, and all that sort of stuff. So. I didn't get back till about midnight, so that's late for me. Oh, that's that's late enough. That's late for me. I can't be bothered with that. Because I, I don't live in central Edinburgh. I live live about uh, eight, eight, nine miles out, well, maybe eight miles outside, and the buses are crap at that time of night. But you've, you've got a brand new train now, haven't you? So you can go to, uh, is it Gallish Eels, whenever you want? That's that's true. Yes, yes. There were no trains, you know, that that weekend. Or the trains were very very erratic that, that particular weekend because there was uh, work on the on the line. Did you you didn't come on the train, did you? I did. Yeah, and I I remember that. I I'm sure it, when they're working properly, it takes forty five minutes between Edinburgh and Glasgow, but it was more like an hour and a half. So you know, I was I was doubting myself. I I just thought maybe. Maybe Scotland's doubled in size since I was last there, but no, it was it was railway shenanigans. Well, because because I'm of a certain age, I can travel for free on the bus. You see, so so it was very it was very tempting to to go all the way to exciting Glasgow on the bus for nothing. Yeah, quite right. Now, do you get a? Uh, I know that my own folks they go in Verness to Glasgow and they get the gold bus, but they have to pay a fifty pence supplement. Terrible. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Oh no, fifty pence. Fifty pence. It's, I mean, it's shocking. And all they get for that fifty pence is their lunch provided, uh, sweets all the way down, uh, power, uh, a power outlet for a laptop or. Plug in your phone and uh, they get free Wi-Fi. But it's a disgrace. They, they really need to write their MPs about this. 50 whole P. That sounds shocking. <laughs> and and if, if they travel together, it's a whole pound. Can you believe it? Gosh, what does the platinum bus cost? <laughs> well, they're saving up for that. Probably 150 each or something. <laughs> so, Andrew, tell me about the Gallus Shields train because I'm out of touch with this. Well, it was it, it coincided, the, or rather the, the opening of it coincided with the day that the Queen overtook Queen Victoria as the longest-serving monarch. Oh, right. So um, she she was in um, she was in Balmoral or somewhere, and then came down to Edinburgh for the launch of or for the official opening of, of this this line. And um, the the obsequious royal um, coverage said, "Oh, there's." You know, the Queen's in Edinburgh for this this railway line, but you don't want to hear about the railway line. Look, it's the Queen. So I didn't I didn't manage to get that much out of the telly, but it runs from Edinburgh to um somewhere I'd never heard of, a Tweed Tweed side or Tweed Bank. Um but the last but one stop I think is Gallashields and it stops at um stops at Delkeith and 
quite a few places actually between Edinburgh and and its terminus. But it doesn't link up anywhere on the other side. It's just a branch line from Edinburgh into the borders. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's that's a replacement. I think there was a line there years ago, and it's just yeah. it's been relayed on the, the original train track or something. Yes, that that's right. So they, I mean, it's if you look at the um, the way that the borders. I mean, you, you tend to think of you know the Highlands as being out there and isolated, but obviously not you, Kevy. But the you can sort of draw a triangle between I don't know Newcastle, Carlisle, and Edinburgh. And, and the, the railway stations there, and then in in the middle of that, you've got a huge area where there's just very little links connected public transport. So this, you know, hopefully this will be the start of I don't know, start of something getting the area more connected because it is a huge area, the Scottish borders. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. It is, and, and I heard encouragingly that the train has been absolutely jam-packed. In fact, so bad that people have been unable to get on it because they, they've only been putting two carriages, which is about as small as a train gets. For uh, it? Yeah, and I've never seen actually a train that has just one carriage, in fact, so two is as small as you get. But apparently, I mean, people have been on the platform wanting to get on and they can't because there's no room left in the train. So it sounds like it's a, a stonking success already. That's fantastic. I mean, if- I, to be honest, they need something like this because it's the same. And you mentioned, Andrew, about the drawing the, that triangle. I mean, I lived for uh, six years in Dumfries and Galloway, which is the opposite side of Scotland to the borders. And it was the same. Transport links are terrible. You know, they really are shocking. There's like uh, two to three trains a day to Dumfries. And if you want them... You've got to basically take the Kilmarnock train that then goes down through Ayrshire and does every single village nook and cranny. You know, at basically what what can you can drive Glasgow to Dumfries in about fifty five minutes roughly, uh, and this train takes two hours twenty minutes. <laughs> You're like, this is crazy. You know, that's that's just pathetic. But you know, glad. Hopefully, we'll we'll soon all be feeling the benefits of HS two. Yeah, see, people mention HS2. That's just the postcode up here for the for people in Lewis and Harris. You know, so, you know people have been talking about the arrival of HS2. We're going. What are you talking about? It's been here for years. Fifty billion pounds on HS2. I bet you're looking forward to that, aren't you? It'll be great. We didn't know we're getting a high speed train on all areas outside of Stornoway. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of trains. To be honest, I quite like trains, but. Uh, um, yeah, I think when the, when HS two gets as far as uh, as Glasgow, then it might seem interesting. Until then, <laughs> it's going to be too far away. Well, well that's yeah. something else that they need is uh, a line from. They need a lot of better connections with the north because you've got. I mean, okay, I'm not going to suggest that they go all the way to Aliphal so you can get the ferry across Stornoway, but going from Glasgow to either Aberdeen or Inverness is shockingly bad by train. I mean, it takes the same amount of time as the car, but it costs a fortune. So they really do need to work on something with that line as well. Well, Glasgow to Inverness is is a, a relatively long way, and it crosses the Great Glen, and you've got you know you've you've got physical distance and and mountains and stuff. The the more shocking thing for me is that Leeds to Manchester. The it's something it's something ludicrous, like you know 45 miles and it and it takes an hour and that's just that's pathetic that's utterly pathetic that's two big cities connected and and oh, i don't know i don't know i get i get angry about hs2 it just seems like a, a ridiculous waste of money 
But why don't you please think of the children? Which children? Are they going to employ children to build it? Think of our children and workforce. <laughs> We've got a, a railway. No, I'm not going to say that, actually. No, that might come back to bite me. A monorail. Yeah, that's it. We'll go with the monorail one. I was just I was thinking well, something else. No, there's no way I'm going to say that out loud. Do, do you know, like, it's a joke, but there was a crazy businessman who was I mean, I mean, an absolute crackpot who proposed and built a monorail, in fact, the Benny monorail, his name was Benny, just up the road from where I live in the 1930s. He actually built one. Uh, and uh, like this strange torpedo thing uh, that hung from an overhead monorail and it was propelled by a propeller. That sounds fantastic. It is. I mean, it looks absolutely mad and there's actually some remnants of the structure still there because um, it was a complete failure and but it stood there for 20 years, rusting away. So my wife's granny remembers going past it and everyone thought it was all a bit bizarre. But you know, that's Did it ever thing. actually run at all or did it just stay there? I think it was only a mild test track. So yes, it did run, and people. And there's pictures of people's sort of dignitaries getting on it and looking, um, looking very pleased with themselves. But, but no, <laughs> no, no, it was a completely mad idea. I mean, propeller-driven trains in the sky. I mean, come on. Did did they have to have a man with a red flag walking in front of it to make sure the passengers didn't asphyxiate? Uh, I think it was a, 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 a monkey hanging from the overhead line here. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, isn't it funny how we, can, quite... how we can deviate quite a bit here from a podcast <laughs> in Glasgow? <laughs> but perhaps we can go full circle, because the reason I like the, the Three Judges so much, my, the reason it's my favourite pub is not, in fact, the beers, but it serves, uh, to my mind, the most delicious pork pies ever. And that's why I like the Three Judges. And as Kevy said, that was the thing. Well, you say finished us off. I think it really finished you off. Let's Let's be precise about that. It did, totally. I mean, I just, I I didn't feel that bad up until I ate the pork pie. And then, oh my word, my head started going down. I was like, I almost want to go to sleep now. It's like you've just given me a sleeping pill here. <laughs> Although, to, to be fair, actually, you know, w- once we got back to Andrews, this wasn't, this wasn't quite the public part of the, uh, this wasn't quite public part of the pod crawl, but uh, we did actually enjoy some whiskey and cigars. So that was a very pleasant way to end the night. That sounds absolutely superb. So, Dave, you've missed the um, you missed the annoying young people, and the too cold beer, and you missed the pork pie. Uh, yeah, I, I, re- I regret the pork pie though. At, at that time of night, I'm not sure what it would have done to me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, you I mean you, you think of the the pork pies? I mean, to me, they're nowhere near that size. My word, these things were huge. That's about the biggest pork pie I think I've ever seen. Well, it was a, a large, small pork pie, is what I would call it. But oh, should I say? No, no, sorry. No, yeah. no, I have seen bigger ones that are aimed for families and things, but if that's a one-person pork pie, I've never seen something that size. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it is a substantial thing. It's not like one you'd buy in a supermarket, and it's freshly made by the butchers around the corner, apparently. Oh, nice. Fantastic stuff. Yes, yeah, so this is what you're missing, uh, Dave. So next year, you will have to stay on a wee bit. The, now, the, the only thing I will have to say is we're going to have to try and organise uh, a date for next year. I'm not saying set it now, uh, but uh, it would be nice to get maybe a few more. And Dave keeps on, Dave uh, Moss from the Bug, sorry, Dave Moss, Dave Lee from the Bugcast uh, keeps on going on about it being too early. So maybe next year we could maybe try end of July, uh, then trying to hit the English holidays as well. Yeah, sounds good. Ah, of course, because this. 
there's different holidays around around the country. I'd not, yeah, I'd not thought of that. Yeah, it makes no difference to me, but yeah, late July. Fine. Yeah, that's yeah, it's fine. I mean, the reason that summer uh, summer holiday in Scotland can be almost any time of year is because we don't have a summer. Exactly. To be honest, it only coincides with the peat cutting season. Let's be honest; that's the only thing it does. You know, when the summer holidays come in, you've got to go out to the peat to start cutting. You know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I suppose that's the difference between Glasgow and uh, Lewis. What you, do you have um, electricity and things in Glasgow? Sorry, Andrew. Do, do you have electricity and um, hot and cold running water and uh, gas and things? No, no, no. What, what are those things? <laughs> we have we have monorails in the sky with propeller-driven trains. Eat that. <laughs> uh, that we've got 10 uh, yards of train track with that train that's never moved down. <laughs> I think that's about it. That was courtesy of Lord Leverhulme, who had the great idea of on a tiny island, I think we should make a centralised railway system. <laughs> Needless to say, it didn't actually work out. That sounds crazy, but I have to take my hat off to the Victorians just for giving it a go. I mean, mad colonial nutcases they may have been, but God, when they when they did something, it stayed done. Yeah, I have to say, Queen Victoria, when she visited Glasgow in what, 1850, 60, whenever it was, she was so appalled, what a dump, what a disgusting place it was, uh, that as a result of that, they built a 30-mile aqueduct <laughs> to bring clean water to Glasgow. Yes, and you say that after we've watered down the whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. That, um... Really, that's that's amazing. The um, I mean, the if one of the things that apparently one of the things that allowed Rome to get so big before its time. I mean, it was the it was a city of a million people, way, way, way before um, you know before Christianity reached Britain and you know before the Middle Ages. Um, it's it's water supply. They the Romans, being you know awesome engineers, built a big load of aqueducts down from the hills and. So they could uh, they didn't have to drink the water out of the river, which was full of malaria. Instead, they could uh, drink clean water out of the from the mountains. And to think that Glasgow is you know two thousand years, three thousand years behind that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> what did the Romans ever do for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, the Romans were here, just a short step away from where I um, live. There's the Antonine Wall, so the Romans were here, and they thought it was pretty horrible, and they uh, went went away quite quickly uh, as ro- uh, Roman time scales. <laughs> so it took them a hundred years, that's the thing. Well, they stuck around to build a wall, uh, a wall from one end of Scotland to the other, across the, the, the narrowest bit of Scotland, has to be said. But you know, they stuck around for a wee bit, but then decided that the weather was so bad and the people were so aggressive that they just had to go. So you know, in some ways, Glasgow has not changed at all. <laughs> Well, to be fair, your weather's probably a bit better than our weather up north. <laughs> There's probably very few people listening who actually consider Glasgow north, but it's a deep south as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Glasgow is certainly an, an exotic place. I mentioned that I'd been to to Ben, my fellow Linux voice person, and he he just seemed seemed horrified by this, like as if I'd been to you know the, the darkest Congo. Well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, it's 
you know, if you've been to Manchester or Leeds or Liverpool or Bristol or any other, you know, decent sized Victorian city, it's it's like that, but just a bit better. It's it's um you know, it was clearly built by men with, with fantastic sideburns who had a plan. <laughs> and they am I am I wrong though? They wanted, you know, they the the, the big um the merchant city bit, like the big tobacco halls and the uh, obviously, some of it was the profits of slavery, which we'll gloss over. But, <laughs> but columns, columns and arches, and um, what's what's those things? The, the little statues that hold up archways, like caryatids, I think they're called, and loads of public statuary, and you know, great big wide streets. It's you know, it's it's lovely. It's it's so nice. It's such a, a treat from an architectural point of view, and so many of the the buildings. That would have been knocked down elsewhere were were saved in Glasgow. I mean, Newcastle had a fantastic um, Victorian core, which, um, thanks to corrupt government, has has been turned into a concrete shopping centre. But many of the the buildings in around George Square are actually quite modern, but they've kept the facade of the old building. So they've got um, they've got broadband and they've got air conditioning and lifts and things, but the outside looks you know carved stone and just. Victorian magnificence. It's great. Actually, if you want a treat from that, the if you look up Springburn Village Hall, I think Springburn Village Hall is Clastus. It's uh, there was a absolutely beautiful hall in Springburn that hadn't been used since about the eighties, but the architecture on it was stunning. All the carved stuff. Uh, get a chance if you go and see it because it actually there's a website that was more or less dedicated to it and it shows the pictures of it and how it was actually sold only this we're only talking this is maybe about four or five years ago maximum wasn't long ago at all and it was sold off with the intention of being done up but what they did was they, they, they still people from Springburn were still saying they think it was definitely a bit of rogue dealing because it was just basically sold from Glasgow City to a subsidiary company of Glasgow City Council, and a piece fell off it, and they immediately said, right, that's it, demolish it, it's an unsafe building. And it was an absolute crime. When you see those pictures, it's a stunning haul. I mean, I thought looking at it going, you know, okay, it's not going to be pennies to do up, but it was an absolute stunning thing, and I think that really that could have been saved. I mean, there are some really amazing pictures from it. Yeah, that's true. Springburn was absolutely devastated. Uh, I, do, I do remember reading about that. And the west end, the west the western side of the city of Glasgow, the, the inner bit, uh, actually where the Bon Accord is, because that's where the motorway runs. It's carved right through the centre, the edge of that city centre in the west side. Um, that was devastated as well, you know, by 1960s, 70s, planning mainly by the motorway. But you're right, you're right Andrew, the, the centre of Glasgow... Um, I mean, as, as, as a young boy, I grew up here. I never looked up. I never looked. I just wandered about the streets, and it all looked pretty grimy back in the seventies. Uh, and that's all I remember. And then at some point, I don't know when I was a bit older as an adult, I looked up and went, "Oh, this is actually quite nice." Why did I never notice that? If you go and live in Doncaster for eighteen years, and you'll you'll find that your appreciation of the aesthetic is is heightened somewhat. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Eighteen years is a long investment to find that out. Yeah, it's not really worth it. Now, I've, I've just found a picture of this um, of Springburn Hall. There's, it looks like there are mature trees growing out of the guttering, and that's. I, I drove past a building in Saltaire in West Yorkshire a, a couple of days ago, and it's, it just seems like a like a common and quite lazy tactic. You know, take take something listed that you're not allowed to knock down, 
leave it for 20 years, neglect it, uh, wait for a tile to fall off the roof and then then claim that it's it's for public safety to knock it down. It's, ugh, it's pathetic. For the benefit of everybody else, that's the site I was looking at recently. And I'm just, you know, it almost brings a tear to the eye. I used to, whenever I was in Springburn, because I've got a lot of friends down there, I used to pass that no matter whose house I was going to. I'd actually have to either walk past it or drive past it. And see to see it missing now, it's like, it's just not right. Dave, Edinburgh's been spared most of this, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> a- apart from the, um, the the horrible Mankey Council building at the, at the top of Lothian Road and, well, most of Princess Street, it's, it, Edinburgh's been pretty much untouched. Yes, yes, it's not done too badly, I guess. The, uh, the, the um, Parliament building near there is, is not, not greatly thought of. But um, I think you have comments about that, McNello, perhaps, do you? <laughs> uh, yes, it looks like somebody dropped it from space and it's sort of splattered onto the ground. And it looks... <laughs> it's quite impressive. It's, from, it's, from above, it's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, most people I've heard say anything about it don't don't think much of it, but uh, especially not in that that area. But uh, yeah, it's true. Edinburgh's Edinburgh's uh, pretty good in 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 many respects, and it hasn't been sort of gutted and turned into. a a great big shopping centre or something. No, they've left that for out of the city, thankfully. But uh, I mean, I was, must admit, I, was, I lived, I did my training in Edinburgh, so I lived there four years. And one place, it didn't matter what time of year it was, no matter how cold it was, how wet it was, I always loved walking down the Royal Mile. It was just such a lovely bit. You know, everything was just so traditional. And even up just going from the Royal Mile to uh, the Grass Market, what's that kind of curvy street called, the cobbled one? Is it Coburn Street? Is it Coburn Street? I'm not sure. There are two curvy ones. There's one's Coburn Street and one is... uh, Is it Victoria Victoria Street or something? Uh, I I can't remember. I'm not very good at street names. Um, Yeah, but I know what you mean. I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, such a, it's you know all that area is just so lovely, and it's. I think there's a very old-fashioned kind of brush shop, but there was you know fifteen odd year ago there. I think it might uh, still just be so there. It was, last, it was yeah, there last it was, time it was, I that, saw that, it. That, that to me just you know brushes, brushes. Yeah, literally brushes. For paint brushes or like every kind of brush, like toilet brushes, sweeping brushes, paint brushes, toothbrushes, you know whatever. My goodness, I've never, I've never heard of a brush shop before. <laughs> It's it's a very strange area that um, when I was first not long in Edinburgh, I went on one of the the tours. There's, there was one run by by a pub called the Witchery, which was a sort of ghost tour thing, and um, it was it was a thing where people jumped out at you and dressed as monks and stuff with white faces, all this sort of stuff. But um, the, the interesting bit about it was that you you got taken through strange little back ways of of uh, the city so you could cross from around that area uh, near the the castle through down into the the grass market and beyond by going down little alleyways and then popping out and then down another alleyway and so on um and uh, all the ancient uh, ancient sort of places where in the old days people used to open the windows and throw nasty things out on your head and stuff like that it's all still there I'm especially on a Friday night, I'd imagine. <laughs> Probably, yes, yes. The the guy who used to leap out at people, I think he got duffed up a few times for doing that, so I don't think they do that so much now. <laughs> See, I remember that happening when I was yes. in when I was yeah. in Edinburgh. They had uh, 
there was a night out with rugby boys and this guy, the rugby boys, were not part of the crew and he jumped out of them because I remember seeing this guy wearing a suit bolting and about 12 drunken big rugby guys threatening to kick his head in. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I, I'm not sure that, that that exists quite the same way it did, but, yeah, Edinburgh's, a, Edinburgh's an interesting city. Yeah, the other place I seem to remember is when you were talking about, I'd forgotten about this place, but when you're talking about the the narrow back alleys and things was just coming out of, I think it was coming out of Waverley station and you had the steep steps going up to the Royal mile and that narrow bit. And there was a pub there called the halfway hoose. I think it was called. It was a great wee bit. It was literally halfway up these steps. It was easy to miss. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of restaurants I think that have, have uh, exist up those steps. If you go up them and then uh, a little side alley, you end up at some sort of strange little, uh, Mexican place or weird places like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm nodding. You can't hear it on the microphone, but I, I am nodding. Well, nod louder then. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's um, if the back of Waverley Station. If you look up, it, it, the buildings sort of go in front of you like a like a cliff. They go straight up um, because you've got on the you've got the uh, the volcanic ridge from Castle Hill all the way down to Holyrood, and then sort of built. So if you almost imagine the lava is maybe at a 45 degree angle, so the the houses were built on top of that, but sloping back against the rock. So at street level on the Royal Mile, there may be only three or four stories high, but at the back behind Waverley Station, there may be, I don't know, eight, eight or ten. So you've got a huge uh, number of, of steps leading up and loads of alleyways. And it's it's very tall and dark and stone and yeah, it looks great. And in the middle of of, of all of those, there's there's Mary King's Close, which is a, a load of of empty buildings that that was inhabited that were inhabited in the olden days, and and now they're a tourist attraction. And I went in there when it was a couple of years after it's first opened, and it was a health and safety nightmare because it was all exposed beams and wires just kicking about and puddles and things and now i went uh, i went last year and they've cleaned it up and it's much less enjoyable unfortunately but safer yeah i can imagine that you know kind of ruins you want them to be kind of ruinish not tidy <laughs> exactly ruins should be ruined not clean mm. i just occurred to me um that i once met richard stallman in edinburgh or at least I, he, he was talking there and i went to it and when i came down the stairs after the talk he was at the bottom of the stairs and started chatting to me and i, and I didn't really know what to say to him because uh because i wasn't expecting to see him <laughs> and he's a bit scary in person i don't know if you've met him andrew but <laughs> i was like oh i think this is something i desperately want to ask you but it's completely gone up my head no mike mike's met him and he said pretty much the same that he was uh yeah a bit intimidating. I, I did meet Linus Torvalds, and I I could barely say a word to him for like two hours. <laughs> really, you didn't say Nvidia to him. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up shaking his hand about five times. <laughs> you definitely didn't say Nvidia to him then. <laughs> Richard Stallman was at uh, the last Fosdem in uh, in in Brussels. He, he sort of suddenly appeared <laughs> in the in the sort of concourse area people were, st- were stopped is that is that is that rich is oh wow you know there was a sort of ripple went around the room <laughs> he oh, wasn't cool yeah he wasn't scheduled to be there but he just happened to be in belgium and he thought he'd come along and see what what the fosden people are up to i think 
Yeah, there you go. Maybe he'll show up at next year's Glasgow Pod Crawl. You know, <laughs> hey, who's this? That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, well, it it would be cool. But the thing is, do you think he'd allow? I mean, the, the Tills probably wouldn't actually do open source software. So I don't know if he'd quite allow. He would he be able to pay anything? <laughs> I think he might make demands that, uh, that that couldn't easily be met, judging by some of the tales. Yeah. Well, he he. The reason I went I I, I went to that was a Turing Festival, which I, I think it was just being again in Edinburgh this year. It's quite interesting, you know. It invites quite an interesting array of people. Um, and it was, a, it was actually a very good friend of mine who was organising it, so he gave me free tickets to come along in return for, I think I managed to get some venture capitalists that they were all the startup people who were drooling over to come over from the States. So that's why I was there. Um, but he told me what uh, Richard's requests were for him to travel. And I guess I won't repeat them, that's probably a bit off. But they were they were very precise, I have to say. Yes, he's notorious for that, I think, isn't he? <laughs> Well, who knows? Maybe he'll be at uh, Og Camp in a couple of weeks. Oh yes, yeah. Are you going to Og Camp, Andrew? I should do. Really, um, it's only when we've we've discussed among ourselves and on the Linux Voice crew what you know, what and where and when, and we we still haven't come to any firm conclusions. But I'm the closest, so and I really want to. I want to go, but but as in to attend things, I don't. I don't really want to go to sit behind a desk, which is what what I was doing. Um, Last year, um, it was down in Oxford, and we sort of sat and had a, a store of merchandise and things, which which was great. And it meant that I, I got to speak to lots of people who who came up to to us, but I didn't get to go out and listen to very many talks. In fact, I only saw one, um, which is a bit of a shame, considering that it's you know it is the number one place in the UK to go and you know listen to geeks talk about clever, interesting things. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm going this year, so if uh, if if you want to leave me in, start, in charge of the stalls for for a short time or, or for some times, I'd be happy to to help you out. Fantastic. Let's have that in writing. <laughs> okay, if you if you want it in writing. <laughs> I actually like sitting behind stalls because I actually prefer, when I've done that in the past, I quite like people coming up to me and that saves me having to wonder about speaking to them. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a silver lining to that cloud. I'd, I'd offer, but I'm I'm going to be on the HPR table, I hope, if I if, if I manage to get one. So I'll be able to wave across the room, perhaps, but uh, not help particularly. Well, I'll help man on the HPR one as well. Not at the same time, because I'm not omnipresent. <laughs> Wait a minute, you've got to do the Tux Jam table. Come on now, you can't do everything. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm at least try-present if I'm not omnipresent. Excellent. Are you coming down, Kevin? <laughs> no, sadly, I won't be able to, just purely because it doesn't coincide with my holidays. And, you know, that's what, I mean, people often say about being a teacher, oh, you get great holidays. Yeah, it is true, but you can't choose your own, you know. So if I was to say I wanted to take a few days off for a free and open source software conference, I'd get laughed at. And then be told no. That would be humiliating. <laughs> well, as lovely as this has been, I, I must go now. I have other duties to perform this evening. Ooh, that was an interesting noise. What's that? It was me dropping uh, two 20 pence pieces and one one pence piece through a brass uh, bottleneck, a slide, guitar slide, onto my leather-topped mahogany desk. <laughs> well, I suppose we could see in a roundabout sort of way the penny drop there. <laughs> it did, and yeah. I've, I've got enough money for a gold ticket to, uh, where is it, was it from Aberdeen to Inverness? 
with one pence left over. Ooh. What, you a whole that penny, on? wow. <laughs> I know, you can put it onto one of the penny arcade machines, you know, so you'll get maybe the rich chance of earning three pence. <sighs> crazy, crazy times. What a time to be alive. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping this up now, and given it, it was actually about the uh, pod crawl, uh, what, what were our final thoughts? And did we all have a good time? I enjoyed myself. It was great to, great to meet everybody. It's good to be in Glasgow for a while. Good. Yeah, it's great to meet people in real life. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was uh, great to meet both you, Andrew, and uh, you, Dave, for the first time after conversing with you virtually uh, for some time. A Kevy, I've met before, of course. Yeah, I'm kind of old hat. People are bored with me now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a good time, though. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope we'll do it again next year. Now, if the, this is a point, we'll probably have to get in touch with each other a bit closer to the time. But if we're, uh, if you said actually wanting uh, to be a, a official uh, Podcrawl members, you know, we can have uh, more t shirts made up. That's not an issue. Excellent. Never turn down a t shirt is one of my mottos. Is that well, Andy Motto? Yeah, the thing is, um, myself and McNallu, we're probably going to start struggling. The drawers are going to get quite full. We've got a new T-shirt every time it's been a pod crawl, you know. So over the years, it's going to start adding up. <laughs> <laughs> Keep hold of them, man. You need a bigger house. You need you need more space. Yes, I, I would agree never, that would be handy. <laughs> never throw anything away, ever. Yeah, sort of the Melda Marcos of T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, Dave, since you started us out, do you wish to end the show? Okay, then. Well, uh, I'm not quite sure how you end, end the show other than saying thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully meet again um, sometime next year in the, the next pod crawl. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.